Welcome to Big Business Insights, the mutual corporate podcast where we discuss human capital and benefit issues that concern all businesses, from up-and-coming companies to established corporate enterprises. Each episode focuses on one topic to bring you insights and help you make informed decisions for your business, your employees, and yourself. I'm your host, Malusin Lovu, and in today's episode, we're looking at the fact that For the first time in five years, salary increases in South Africa are not keeping up with inflation. My guest is Rene Richter, the Managing Director of Rem Channel, a salary benchmarking company that conducts a salary and wage survey each year. Hello, Rene. Morning, Malusi. Great to have you. Thank you so much. Tell us about the salary and wage survey. Who participates across which industries? What are your data points? Well, Melissa, I think the the first thing is, is we do the survey biannually to establish what we're looking at from a salary increase perspective, labor turnover, etc. In the April 2022 survey, we had 82 participants across various industry sectors, most certainly well represented in financial services, but also covering manufacturing, fast moving consumer goods, retail, etc., So it's also a nice mix of listed and unlisted, as well as internationally listed companies, with a very small component of uh, parastatals in in the survey. And for the first time in this survey since 2018, the anticipated and granted increases are lower than inflation. What's driving this? Well, when you're going through a budgeting process, specifically from a human capital perspective, what you're looking at is what CPI is. CPI is one of the main drivers of granting increases, although it's not the only element that companies consider, affordability, etc., specifically in a, in a post-pandemic world, and even during the pandemic, played a very big role. And last year, we saw inflation at its lowest levels in many, many years. So whilst organizations were budgeting, of course, they were looking at the inflationary increases. And this is normally CPI plus one or two percentage points so that employees' pay can keep up with CPI. What has subsequently happened is, of course, we've seen this massive increase. And there's a lot to be said about global inflation rising very quickly, specifically in the UK and the US. And last month, for the first time in many years, the inflation rate was above the reserve's 6% target. And we're anticipating uh, the fuel increases that's coming up now is going to further Mm -hmm. increase inflation. So you have the disconnect between what organizations budgeted for at the time that was about 5.42%. And inflation now going in excess of 6%. And if that continues for the remainder of the year, employers are going to be in quite a dire position from a budgetary perspective and the available cash to increase salaries to those levels. Mm. So some very challenging times for, for HR and reward professionals in the next few months. It sounds like it's a timing thing where uh, we've had this inflation level during the budgeting of companies and now there's a spike when they have to pass those increases through. Do you see this as a once-off or something that is going to continue into the future? 
Well, it's always driven by inflation. So most certainly I think it is going to continue into the future. But what we are anticipating is that employers now have the inability to meet inflationary increases. And how does that then impact their ability to retain staff? Specifically, if you don't know what your competitors are doing and whether from a budgeting perspective they actually have the additional cash to grant those increases. Should they be able to do so, and you're not as an organization, that puts you at a disadvantage and at risk in terms of losing your staff. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, retention of staff and the competition that's heating up. We've heard a lot about the great resignation, the great reset, the great rethink, whatever people are calling it. Is South Africa experiencing this as well? We're certainly seeing trends. Uh, emerging in South Africa. Of course, our workforce um, is quite different and our unemployment rates are very high. So one would ask the question whether that is a reality. But we also have a very large complement of professional staff and those skills are very mobile. Mm. Um, And in a gig economy and the global trends that are happening, employees are most certainly not at a loss for, for new opportunities. So in our salary and wage movement survey, we saw resignation figures at its highest levels in 10 years, over 36%. Now, if you're looking at the sample in the salary and wage survey, which was just uh, covering about 618,000 employees, that means at a turnover rate of 17.7%, that means about 40,000 employees resigned from those 82 companies alone in the past 12 months. That is a lot of movement. A lot of movement. What does it cost for a company to replace a typical employee when they move on? Well, there's various formulas that you can use, but and it also depends on the level of the employee in the organization. In certain instances, specifically at the more senior and executive levels, where we've seen quite a bit of movement as well in terms of years of experience, that could be anything between two and three times annual salary. Wow. For purposes of, of just looking at this across the board, we would estimate perhaps 600000 as an average salary and looking at one times annual salary as as the factor to multiply to determine what the cost would be to those organizations. Wow, those numbers are staggering. It's in excess of $24 billion that it cost those organizations to replace that talent in the past 12 months. Do you think employee loyalty is dead? Their loyalty levels have been influenced by what has happened in the past two years. They really are re-evaluating their priorities. In particular, elements such as work-life balance. I don't think employees are as loyal as they were in the past. I think that there's a focus has been shifting over the past two years to what is important to employees and what not what is important to the employer. Mm. So there is definitely a move where employees are saying, There are other opportunities out there, which really ties into the great resignation. And what are those employees and how do they suit my lifestyle that I've probably become accustomed to um, over the past two years, which is a lot of work-life balance. We actually refer to it as life-work balance and not the other way around. Wow, that's certainly a different perspective. Why are employees resigning? Well, for various reasons. I I think that um, it is difficult to say that there's one category. The one category, especially when you're doing exit interviews for staff, 
at the top of the list is always better pay or remuneration. From our research, what we've seen is only 19% of the staff members that resigned, the 36% that we talked about, was due to better pay. There was 53% of those staff members that were leaving for better work environment, career opportunities, and even areas of toxic workplace was quoted in the research. So the importance of employees re-evaluating their workplace environment and the impact on their well-being is so critical when assessing why employees are leaving your organization. We spend an enormous amount of time and effort marketing our organizations to our consumers, to our clients. But what we don't do is market the employee value proposition in our own organization to our employees. Mm. We have to market and package it as such that it is holistically seen as a great value proposition. Mm. That helps you attract the right talent at any given time. And and interesting, only 20% of employees that were resigning said that it was work-life balance. So you can see that there's a combination of factors. And in fact, it could have been all those factors. But do we as employers understand why employees are leaving? Are we getting accurate information in our exit interviews? Are we indeed conducting them? You know, we talked about the cost of replacing these employees. The scary stat is that more than 50% of employees don't actually measure the cost of losing employees. So they don't look at the time to recruit. It's not just the recruitment fee, everything else that goes with it. Loss of productivity, motivational morale impact if it's a senior manager. All of the elements that will contribute not only to that individual's leaving, but your entire team. Hmm. And potentially could, of course, increase your staff turnover over a period of time. Hmm. I really like the concept of marketing the employee value proposition to your own employees. And of course, the people that need to do this are the HR professionals themselves. And in your study, you found that they had one of the highest turnover rates. Tell us a bit about that. Although we didn't ask the reasons, just from what we've been establishing from our clients, uh, and specifically because we deal with a lot of HR executives and HR staff, they've said that the impact of COVID on them has been far greater than what one would have thought, bearing in mind that they have dealt with a lot of employee issues during this time, death, uh, financial constraints. There's several elements that they have to deal with in addition to their own position in the organization and perhaps their own difficulties. This has impacted their wellness. And in particular, we, we can't fault the fact that those employees say, well, I can contract. As an HR professional, I'm fairly mobile. I can contract my skills out without being exposed to the wellness issues that a lot of organizations are being exposed to. And the HR professionals are also, of course, the recruiters to the organization. And if they are faced with those difficulties that they have to deal with on a daily basis, how do they project a very good picture of the organization? How do they then market the employee value proposition of the organization if they don't feel that they are actually in an environment that is conducive to 
productivity and really the raw, raw, raw then disappears from their ability to attract then the right skills. I read an interesting article uh, in the week where the title was I am uh, an incumbent, a potential incumbent in your organization. May I please interview three of your employees? Mm, yeah. we, Im- we do the interviewing as HR professionals, but um, perhaps uh, the roles are reversed when you're saying, can I interview three employees in your organization to understand what your employee value proposition is wow. and whether this is actually a great organization to work for? That's very interesting. If I'm an HR director listening to this, I am shocked and I need to take action. What should they be thinking about in the next pay cycle? There's a few things to think about. The first thing is, is do you understand what your workforce and, and a very diverse workforce needs in order to fulfill their own aspirations, both from a development perspective, career opportunities, remuneration? And the issue is, is that reward is complex and that it is not only pay. In many cases, there's this massive focus on pay, whilst really all the other aspects, both financial and uh, non-financial, will impact employees. So, for example, if you look at retirement funding, a youngster entering their career actually doesn't think about retirement funding, whereas somebody who's very close to retirement suddenly realizes a lot more savings is required. Do you as an employer, first of all, cater for the diverse workforce that you're dealing with? And the pay cycle is therefore not just determining what the salary increase is. It is most certainly looking at all of those aspects. And in that employee value proposition, what we've seen is historically employers have had the same benefits, the same approach to risk benefits across the board with very little flexibility in how they approach their workforce. So understanding what your workforce needs, and this can be done by engagement surveys um, and really listening to employees because I think the other thing about engagement surveys is that you do the engagement surveys nothing happens post the engagement survey employees just become reluctant to participate in it anyway Mm. so if you understand what your workforce needs you can most certainly start looking at that whole packaged employee value proposition and the reward or the total reward statement as we would refer to it then you can determine how much flexibility you need to build in so in the next pair cycle there may be some uh, very quick wins but changing the employee value proposition is not a short-term thing mm. and it has to be very um, fluid because if it's not it's not keeping up with the changes in the world of work mm, of course and employee value proposition it's such a broad word one of the things that we've realized in the last two years is we can work from home and so what is the role of non-rand-based remuneration, such as flexibility to work from home? I think it's increasingly important, Malusi. In our latest work from home survey that we conducted, most of the organizations, in fact, over 70% of them, have moved back into the office in some kind of hybrid model. And what we've seen is, is that they have a major resistance from employees to actually go back into the office full-time. And there's this dilemma between collaboration 
and creating an environment that's conducive to innovation. And on the other hand, there's the life-work balance that employees are struggling with. But there is a major resistance. So if you think about pre-COVID, the big theme was how do we give our employees flexibility to manage their entire health scenario, both from a work perspective and a life perspective. Then COVID hit. Everybody pushed overnight into a working from home environment. And now there's this push to to take it back to pre-COVID. But those models are no longer applicable in the new world of work. And if you don't offer employees some flexibility... And and trust, because it's really based on trust. And if you're measuring output and not input, then you have a very different view of Mm. what that means. So there's a bit of a dilemma between what organizations need and what employees need. And how do you encourage the best balance of both so that there's benefit to both parties? Wow, certainly a lot to think about. Renee, thank you very much for joining me. You've been listening to our conversation with Rene Richter, the Managing Director of REM Channel. The war for talent is over. The talent is won. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Follow the Old Mutual Corporate Big Business Insights podcast and toggle on notifications to be alerted when a new episode is live with more expert discussions aimed at making running your business just a little bit easier. To find out more about Old Mutual Corporate, visit oldmutual.co.za forward slash corporate. Oh, Mutual. Do great things every day. Oh, Mutual Life Assurance Company, South Africa Limited, is a licensed FSP and life insurer.